This is the Spa Retailer Podcast, where we talk retail, business, and all things related to the hot tip industry. I'm your host, Megan Kendrick, owner of Spa Retailer Magazine. Welcome to the Spa Retailer Podcast. Today on the podcast, I have Shauna Mesher. She is the new-ish Director of Sales and Marketing at Evasis up there in Vancouver, Washington. So thanks for coming on the podcast today, Shauna. Hi, Megan. I'm excited to be here. So it's fun because Shauna and I, we really just met a few weeks ago, but you've been in the industry for a long time at a company that we talk about in the magazine all the time, Oregon Hot Tub, before you moved over to the Evasis crew, another company that we've talked about all the time. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty cool. Full circle. Yeah, exactly. So Shauna, tell me a little bit about how you ended up in the hot tub industry and eventually at Evasis. It's always random how we all get here. Totally. I know everybody, when you're in the hot tub industry, everybody's like hot tubs. That's weird. So going way back, my history and my career, if you will, was supposed to be in the beauty industry, beauty and retail. I come from background at Nordstrom for a long time and cosmetics and beauty over there. And then a little bit in fine jewelry. And I worked with a good friend for about five or six years and she moved over. She got recruited over to that hot tub company in the Northwest. And then a couple years later, after she joined there, she reached out to me and she was like, Hey, you're pregnant with your first child. Retail is a grind. You guys just got out of holiday and anniversary sale. And I can't imagine you want to do this with a growing family. So I have a really cool opportunity for you. And it's with the hot tub company I work for. And I literally looked at her and I was like, you're crazy. Who buys hot tubs? Like That seems like a total (laughs) step in the wrong direction. And I totally laugh now because I was crazy. And she's no, I promise it's, I'm making great money. It's great work-life balance. It's so fun being able to connect with people and provide them something that can actually help their wellness and well-being. Of course, I didn't believe her. So I went into her showroom and I sat with her for two days, open to close to see really what it was like and vetted it and vetted the company and decided that I wanted to apply. But then second to that, I was like, who wants to hire a pregnant person? That is a that is crazy, I know, right? Man, it's the worst, right? It shouldn't be a thing that, you know, but yeah, you don't want to start a new job and then say, by the way, I'm about to be gone for 12 weeks or whatever yeah, it's going to be yeah. to have this baby. It's a little uncomfortable when you're trying to start a new position. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then also for me, I'm like, I want to come in. I want to hit the ground running. I want right. to learn and I want to go. I don't want to go and then take a break for a few months. But anyways, I interviewed... Steve Rosigno was my boss at the time. He hired me. I started for a few months, and then I went on maternity leave, and then I left. And then fast forward, I was there for almost seven years. Um, started as just a sales representative and then worked my way up through the ropes, store manager to regional manager to kind of director of sales and marketing, and then to general manager at the end, hands in all the pots, you know how that goes. And then I found myself pregnant with my third, which is now, and decided I wanted to take some time off, just figure out what I really wanted to do and what work-life balance looked like for me. And then I just found myself with a really great opportunity over here at Evasis. It's a cool work-life balance hybrid role. And my passion is that I realized, I didn't know at the time, but I realized my passion is helping to grow 
mid-sized companies to become those large companies. Mm-hmm. I'm just excited that I'm back in that role and I have that opportunity again. Okay, so you're gonna have to follow this thread with me because I love it. Sue Rogers, who was the owner of Oregon Hot Tub for many years, and Don Ryling, who is now the owner of Olympic Hot Tub. Yeah. So Don was also a Nordstrom guy for a long time. Yes. And so that goes way back. Yeah, no, and it's funny because I I just think it's so interesting because they are a company that is well known for their customer service. That's something that they hang their hat on. And so I just think it's really cool that you've got, and it's a Northwest company. I think it's cool that you've got people who lived in that realm who have now taken those, some of those best practices, if you will, and have moved them into the hot tub industry and have been really successful with them. And so those things are just really interesting and funny to me. (laughs) Yeah, it's so cool because at Oregon Hot Tub, Sue actually had a personal stylist, as a lot of people do at Nordstrom, who keep them up to date on sales and what's launching and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. Sue recruited her over to Oregon Hot Tub. She recruited my friend and my friend then recruited me. So it's just so funny for anybody Mm -hmm. listening, like relationships are everything. We say that all the time, but don't forget it any day. Every morning I wake up and I'm like, who can I create a really good long lasting relationship with Mm -hmm. and work really hard for them. And that's what it's all about because it will just carry you through life. I've been so lucky to just have really cool relationships with people. So it's, yeah, yeah. And Nordstrom does do a great job of this, the training and the customer service. And I definitely owe them a lot for all of that teaching. Man, I need a Nordstrom stylist. (laughs) (laughs) That would be great. That would be great. But yeah, no, that's really, that's such a great point. And, And it's the thing that's kept me in this industry for as long as I've been is those relationships. Like once you get in here and you get to know people and you build that rapport with people, it's hard to leave. It's hard to leave those relationships behind. But like you said, it's interesting how, you know, this, a random relationship that you wouldn't have expected is what gets you your next, your next job or career or whatever it might be, or even sale, right? (laughs) Totally. Yeah. All of the above. Somebody said something to me a long time ago that totally stuck and just in the world of sales and customer service and all of it, she was like, I treat everybody as incredibly as I can, because I don't know if that person's going to end up being my kid's soccer coach or teacher or next door neighbor. Mm -hmm. You just treat people the best you possibly can, because you don't know how they're going to circle back in your life. And it's just, it's so cool. And you've been in the industry a really long time, Megan. So you, you know, better than any of us, how far relationships go and how much you lean on them every day. 100%. It's the only reason we're also still in business, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Yep. So you were at Oregon for, you said seven years. Is that right? Yeah, just about. Okay. Seven years at Oregon Hot Tub and lots of transition at that company during that time. Obviously, Sue sold it to Leslie's. Eventually, Steve moved over to Evesis, and now you have moved over to Evesis, which is great because I don't think people maybe realize that Evesis is right in the backyard of Oregon Hot Tub is in the Portland area, and Evesis is right across the river there in in Vancouver, Washington, and so pretty close community. And Oregon has locations in Vancouver as well. So yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah, they're literally right down the street. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve moved over, which was a great move for him, and then it wasn't my plan. It's just in looking back, I'm just so glad that it did. But yeah, that's where we're at. Yeah. And it's interesting too, being so close together geographically, 
Oregon was Evasys's first customer, like big customer for its big software, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll paraphrase the story because it's not my own to tell, but I'll <laughs> reiterate it as best as I can. Evasys was built 22 years ago or so. And there was a guy who Steve knew and they were in conversation like we need, there's things that I want to do in this hot tub company that I just can't track. We're on pen and paper. It's really confusing. And so Steve for Signo actually helped build Evasys, what we call Evasys Legacy now. And the way that he tells the story is pretty cool. He just had Corey, who's our VP of product development now, and one of the founders, they literally just sat in his office. Corey would sit on the floor and drop mocks while Steve would stand in front of the whiteboard and whiteboard out. If somebody puts a deposit on a hot tub, this is what needs to happen. And this is a series of events. Mm -hmm. And then Corey would go back and he'd create the content. And then he would come back to Steve's office show it, they'd review it, they'd edit it, and then they built it out from there. So that's how it started. And then obviously through the years, there were a lot of other big dealers and really big, incredible people that helped build the product out. But yeah, Steve was the first customer, Oregon Hot Tub was the first customer of Evasys and helped design it. And so now Steve being on this side of the business and helping build out Lou is really, it's just such a cool moment for him to see He's done it before, um, sure. so I'm yeah. excited to see what Lou turns into over the next 10 years and how it gets built out because having industry knowledge on this side of the business is so important. You don't really realize it because you think it's just software and we can just take Evasys legacy and kind of spin it up into the cloud and make it mm -hmm. the same. And it's, it is so not that. Yeah. <laughs> it is a total <laughs> recreation and this is our chance to do things better and evolve and improve. It's funny because when I was a client of Evasys, it's, oh, I wish it would do this and I wish it would do that. And I wish I could mass delete and all of these mm -hmm. things. And then you get on the other side and you start looking at all these other programs and softwares and you're like, what? legacy was really good. <laughs> like it was a solid program, yeah. uh, but now we can take those insights and really plug them into Lou and make it the best thing since sliced bread. We're excited. That's a good thing for you to mention, and it's a good thing for me to hear as well, because <laughs> with some of the software that we use that's built specifically for magazines, I have the same oh. issue where I'm just like, man, why doesn't it just do this? And I'm like, it just, that would be it's so easy. Like, why don't they just fix this for me? And yeah, there's a mm -hmm. lot more that goes into it that when you don't know anything about software development, which I do not, you just have yeah. no idea what goes into all of the stuff behind the scenes. There's so much you have no idea. I barely have scratched the surface. And it's funny because I'll be sitting in a meeting and I'm like, it's just a button. Can't we just change the button? Can't we just change the color, the name? Like it's got to, in my head, you just log in and you literally write the words that you want right. to change. It takes two seconds. And the developers always laugh at me because they're like, Shauna, you have no idea. There's coding yes. that goes into it. That button then touches another button that affects another button. And it's like a two-day project to change the words on the button. Like, <laughs> it's wild and not my expertise, never will be. I'm not that smart. There's people in this building that are far smarter than me and always will be. And it's just, it's a complicated thing to build. And when you're the consumer, you're like, it's a bug. Just fix it. Right. You know mm -hmm. what it is. You got it. It's mm -hmm. got to be easy. And it's just not that easy. And it's been humbling, very humbling to watch these incredibly intelligent people go to work and build this thing out. Yeah. And so Oregon was using 
Evesis Legacy, which is what you guys call it now, but you're moving to Lou, which is a online cloud-based platform for everybody eventually, right? Yeah, eventually. Basically, Evesis Legacy is the only program we've sold for a very long time. A few years ago, we launched Lou. Evesis Legacy is a server-based program, meaning you purchase the program, it lives on your server for life. That's a really good thing, and it's a really challenging thing at times as well, because in the world of technology that we live in now, think about how often iPhones are outdated, right? So every couple yeah. of years, you have to buy a new phone, and it was $1,200, and they're getting more expensive. It's the same thing with servers. Servers can mm -hmm. be $30,000 to $50,000, depending on what you need, and that's wild. So a lot of people are coming to the age where their servers are going down, they're starting to age, they're going to need to be replaced. And so that's why Evesis a few years ago was like, technology is changing so fast. Everything that we use within legacy, like Microsoft and a lot of, again, I'm not a tech person. I'm not a software person. Yeah. So don't quote me, but all the technology surrounding legacy is changing so rapidly. We can continue band-aiding and we can continue supporting it, but why would we? Why wouldn't we just go to the cloud? That's what everybody wants. Everyone wants to be able to take their cell phone or their iPad, log in, manage their business. I want to mm -hmm. be in Aruba on a chair by the beach and be able to check in and see what revenue we did today. That's what people want. They want right. their technicians out in the field to be able to communicate with customers. They made the leap. It was a a huge leap to try to recreate this thing in the cloud, Yeah, but that's where we're at now. So that's what Lou is. Lou is a cloud-based ERP software. You can run your whole business through it, just like Evesis Legacy, but better. And you can literally log in and run your business from anywhere. As long yeah. as you have Wi-Fi or cell service, you're good to go. Yeah. So something that I always found interesting over the years is that it always seemed like some of the best hot tub companies that I knew of in the industry were exclusively using Evesis, people like Oregon Hot Tub, and there are several others. And I always loved Aquaquip comes to mind too. The thing that I enjoyed talking to them about, there's the like day-to-day -day operational things that you needed to do. But something that I always found interesting was listening to the people talk, the owners talk about the information that they could pull from it and how useful that was. Now as a business owner myself, I understand even better <laughs> how important it is to look at those metrics and be able to get them easily. And it's not as easy as you would think. Like, you can't just go to QuickBooks and say, hey, what's my break even? Like those calculations are not just easily available to you. And so the thing that they always loved about using Evesis was that they could get that information if they needed it and when they needed it. Was that something that you guys used or you personally used at Oregon Hot Tub to help run the business and figure out what your next moves were going to be? Yeah, that's such a good question. So it, it and it's interesting being on this side because I I can understand the pain points that people have when they say, I'm trying so hard to run my business and to streamline and to grow, but I don't know where to find the information Yeah, and running a business off of your gut is not a good idea, right? We all know that it, there's people out there that are like, oh, I just have a gut feeling about that. That's great, but you've got to validate it with numbers. We always said Sue Rogers is 
absolutely brilliant. Everybody that's met her, talked to her, knows that. She's absolutely, absolutely brilliant. She's yes. a force to be reckoned with. But numbers drive the business, period. And then there's there's the art of the people and the stories and the emotion behind it. But you've got to run your business off of the numbers. And that's what Evisys did really well. So a couple of numbers that we looked at on a daily basis and again, I was on more of the sales and marketing side. So there's a lot of things that we looked at on the service side. I just didn't look at them as often, for sure. especially being only in that realm of the business for the last year and a half or so. So we looked at Money Tree. I pulled a Money Tree report every day. Legacy for anybody that doesn't know or doesn't use it is a really incredible snapshot report of everything. You can drill it down as much as you want. You can create whatever timeframes you want. And it just tells you, I would look at it for things like how many big ticket units did we sell yesterday? What was our average sale price? How much service revenue did we generate? Did we invoice? How many reoccurring orders did we invoice? You can look at things like on the service side of the business, it's really important to run your business, I believe, off of like billable ratio. Your revenue killers are shield time, warehouse time, and overtime. So you want to make sure that when you have techs out in the field, we're billing them. We're not doing free work, or at least the free work we're doing is minimal. So we always looked at like billable ratios in Evis's legacy. And then a couple of things that, that I know a lot of people I've spoke to want to know how to pull, but don't really know how to pull are things like revenue by square foot for your locations, right? Yes. Because you could have a location that, and we dealt with this a lot. We had a location that was almost 40 years old and we talked annually. Should we move it? Should we close it? Is it generating the revenue? It's we know it's not maybe generating the revenue that it did 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. We only had two locations, but what does that mean, right? Does that mean that it's not generating revenue? Does that mean it's not profitable? Or does that mean it's just not what it used to be? So we always tracked revenue by square foot as we grew and wanted to open more locations. One, it gives you a landing point where yes. you're jumping off from and you know what your expectations are. But also it helps you manage through the years especially going through the bad season that we went through and COVID and the craziness. It's really hard to look at those COVID numbers and think we're doing great because some people are, but most people aren't hitting the numbers that they were hitting in peak of COVID. And so nobody knows what to base their numbers off of. Like, how do I goal my people? How do I know that we're still in a really good place? So revenue by square foot and having that over a five, 10 year period is so helpful to look at. Absolutely. And it's so interesting that you say that because that is something that I am seeing across the industry right now is that when I ask people, how are things now? And they can't tell me and they're not sure. And there's a lot of indecision, it seems like right now. And I think, and that's why, because what are we basing our numbers off of? Can we compare 2023 to 2020? No. Can we compare it to 2021? Probably not. We're, you get used to those kind of numbers really fast. Mm -hmm. And so it feels like things are awful, but are they really awful? And then you look, it's just been, it's been really interesting. And you can tell that people are basing a lot of how they feel about the future and how they feel about this year in particular on their feelings and not on the numbers, like you said. And so it's just been, it's been a really fascinating time to watch the industry go through. And I'm as guilty of it as anybody. I mean, totally. I, I do it too. Like it's as a business owner, 
you sometimes your emotions are up and down depending on the sales of the day. Yes, yes. it is <laughs> hourly sometimes. A hundred percent. And so you really need those numbers to bring you back to reality and be like, okay, guess what? The sky isn't falling or, hey, this is pretty normal to have this peak this time of year. Let's not get too excited and spend all of our cash. <laughs> exactly. Right. And if you're if you are a business that's more seasonal, the way Oregon Hot Tub was ran, it became less seasonal, which was really cool because we created right. sales around the seasons. But a lot of companies still are super seasonal, depending on what side of the United States they're on or world they're on. It's inevitable sometimes. So it's nice to be able to pull, okay, this week versus the same week last year or the same week in 2019, what were we doing? Where were mm -hmm. we at? How were we doing? Rather than like, it feels good. It seems like we're making sales. It seems like we're making money. It's really hard to tell when we've had such rapid change and growth and that it's literally felt like a roller coaster the last few years, to be honest. It's been really challenging for a lot of people. Absolutely. Yeah. Those highs are great, but there's a lot that comes with it. <laughs> yeah. You got to brace yourself for brace yourself for the impact and have a plan in place. And yeah, uh, tracking the business off of the numbers is really helpful for that. Yeah. And I imagine looking at that revenue per square foot is really helpful. You talked about an old location and trying to judge its current success, looking at all of your stores and all of that. But I imagine that's pretty important too, as you start to scale up, which I mean, Oregon Hot Tub has a ton of locations now. And if you're tracking that, you can figure out what is our sweet spot as far as size. So when yes. we're looking for our next spot, what is the size of location that we're looking for? What's our sweet spot? Can we grow? Should we grow? That kind of stuff all plays in. If you're not tracking those numbers, again, you're making those decisions based on your gut, which for a lot of us has gotten us where we are, but yeah. there gets to be a point where, like you said, you need to have the numbers to back up what you're doing, and especially as you scale, because when you're small, sometimes it's hard for some of these decisions to be fatal. The bigger you yeah. get, the more money you're talking about, the easier it is to make some really business killing mistakes. Absolutely. And what I've realized being not the main stakeholder is that when you leave running the business up to your gut and up to your intuition, it debilitates the people around you. So if you're the business owner and we're trusting as your employees in your gut, it's really hard for us to make decisions. And mm -hmm. like you said, when you grow and you expand, it can't be one person liable for making all of the decisions for everybody. One, like you said, as the business owner, you got the company to where it's at. You grew the company. You had the ideas and the risk and all of it to get the company to where it's at. You want to keep growing and you want to keep that spirit alive. And if you're making every little small decision, it debilitates the whole company. It really just creates a roadblock, if you will, and empowering the people around you and the managers and the head service techs and your head salespeople to be able to pull the numbers and come to you with, here's the numbers, here's the reasoning, here's the business plan, here's what I think we should do. It just makes everything so much easier. And it makes, it creates a really thriving culture, I think, which is what Absolutely. everybody wants right now. Nobody wants to, to say, I can't make a decision. I'm not empowered. Everybody wants empowerment and everybody wants to be able to make decisions. So being empowering your people to, to know where to pull numbers is really right. important. That's something that 
as a sales team, I think is an absolute non-negotiable. And I think if you talk to any business coach in the world, in any industry, they would agree that salespeople need to know their numbers and they need to be empowered to pull their numbers, right? So everyone should always know their closing ratio, no matter what. Any Tuesday afternoon at 2 p.m., you should be able to call them and say, what's your closing ratio for the month? What's your closing ratio for the year? Everybody knows how many they've sold, but not everybody wants to know how many they've lost. So yeah. they're both important because again, we can compare closing ratio is a neutral number because no matter how many opportunities you had during COVID versus now, closing ratio tells me the, the quality and the, I don't know, the effort, I don't want to put it too harshly, but that's the reality. It's like the quality and the effort in which you're putting in equals your closing ratio. Mm -hmm. So you could have seen 50 people during COVID and they could have, they could have had lay down sales, but you just got to work a little bit harder now for those sales and your closing ratio should and could be the exact same as it was during COVID. You might not have as many opportunities, but your closing ratio is what tells me that you're working hard and you're putting in the effort. Yeah. And I like that calling it a neutral number because yeah, you're right. The commission and the unit sales and all of that yeah, it all just depends on that ratio. Man, that's such an interesting way to look at it. And and yeah, a really good barometer and gauge for how your salespeople are actually doing and gives them a good goal. Yeah, exactly. And it just puts you against yourself because mm -hmm. and somebody else, especially when you have a bigger team and you have multiple locations, there can be another store that puts up bigger numbers. Maybe mm -hmm. you're in a small boutique store or a slower store, but if your closing ratio is the same as somebody in a larger, busier store, you're in that same running and just mm -hmm. have two sales and they have seven sales. doesn't make you any less of a salesperson. So that's how I would promote. And that's how I would reward people is really based off of closing ratio and an average, because you're going to have a bad week. You're allowed to have a bad week every once in a while. Your yeah. things are going to slip through your hands. But if we can look at like your year-to-date closing ratio, especially towards the end of the year and compare it to last year, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it probably shows the business owner or the manager, you know, where they need to improve too. Okay. So maybe my whole team is struggling in this area. Let's do some more training. Let's give some better incentives. It kind of gives you an idea of ways that you can fix the problem. I personality wise, I would rather ignore problems and hope that they go away. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. But in the real world, like that's not in running a business like that is that's that you can't do it that way. Right. Like you, yeah. you need to address these things head on and say, okay, here's the problem. How are we going to fix it? And you don't necessarily know there's a problem until you pull up that report and you say, okay, I can there. This is not a one up. This is a trend and we got to fix this. Yeah, it's really funny because back to what I was saying earlier about empowering the people. Years ago, Oregon Hot Tub had a, a very small location that they tried really hard to make work. And I worked there for a couple of years. And it's hard for the owners to see what's going on from 30,000 foot view if people mm -hmm. aren't giving them feedback. And unfortunately, as employees, a lot of time employees want to just say, this isn't working. This is working. Salespeople in particular, right? Salespeople, I'm one of them. We're emotional beings. We're finding reality and what's happening in that moment. And we're really good at, we're really mm -hmm. good at conveying the message that we want to convey in that moment. But there's always truth in the middle somewhere. And so what we were able to do was just, again, look at the closing ratio 
And I was able to create an argument that was like, hey, we're only seeing this many people. These are my opportunities. We're closing majority of them, but it's still not quite enough to make this location profitable. And so if you can just show your closing ratio month over month, and it's, I'm doing my job, I'm doing the best that I possibly can with the opportunities given, the opportunities just aren't working. Mm -hmm. And then you can go back to your marketing department and they can use that to fuel their fire because they can see what's happening and what they need to improve upon. So it's just, it's really, it's a helpful tool for everybody. Cutting-edge features and forward-thinking style draw customers to showrooms that prioritize innovation, quality, and curb appeal over bargain prices. To move ahead, retailers need a product that truly sets them apart from the pack. Iconic Spas by Strong Spas is the product to sell. Introducing a revolutionary line of hot tubs destined to shape the landscape, Iconic Spas. Manufactured with centralized trunk lines, integrated cover lifters, and so much more, these are the products your clientele will remember. The new Iconic Spas series honors new thinking from the base to the cover to the industrial strength galvanized steel frame. At the heart of the series is Iconic's Hydropod individualized massage pods that offer a customizable massage, finely tuned with individualized controls. Centralized trunk lines reduce shell perforations, resulting in a significant reduction in potential for leaks. The iconic architecture is engineered to be structurally superior from the ground up, beginning with the patented DuraBase foundation integrated with a robust, industrial-grade galvanized steel frame. DuraBase is up to 10 times thicker than the competition and is equivalent to a built-in spa pad. Impermeable and pest-resistant, DuraBase creates a downward thermal barrier and provides even, heavy-duty load distribution. Iconic Spa's crowning glory is the integrated spa cover with built-in cover lift technology. This is not your ordinary spa cover. Customers can choose Strong's DuraShield hardcover or new performance fabric soft cover. Iconic's patented covers include lift-assisted manual and semi-automatic operations. Robust, integrated stainless steel lift mechanisms are OEM factory installed. Unpleasant spa cover experiences and high energy usage need no longer be deterrents to making a spa purchase. From its innovations in plumbing with the Hydropod hydrotherapy system to quality of life upgrades with its integrated soft cover lifter systems, iconic spas command attention both on the showroom floor and in customers' homes. Partner with a product that will reshape the competitive landscape. Contact Iconic Spas at IconicSpas.com. I'm excited because you are planning on putting kind of all of these best practices and things that we're talking about into a webinar series that you guys are calling Shauna's Secrets to Success. <laughs> yeah, have a good laugh with me. I know it's it's funny. I'll get over the cheesiness of it one day, but it totally, it's got a ring to it. I love it. Yeah. So we are launching this webinar series very shortly, if not already by the time this podcast airs. And I'm so excited, Megan. It's just something that I'm passionate about teaching and training and and sharing ideas with people. That's Mm -hmm. how I learn. So hopefully this will be a good give back moment for me. St. Louis is a perfect platform to do it. So basically what it's going to be is it's going to be a webinar series with a bi-weekly or monthly webinar. And it's not going to have anything to do with like software lingo and all of that stuff. 
it's really going to be about the hot tub industry and some best practices you can put into play and how Lou can help you maintain those best practices. What I've seen over the years, and it's heightened since I've been on this side of the business, is that everybody says they're like, I know what I need to do. We have some really good best practices. We used to do that. We don't anymore. The struggle that people have is sometimes knowing what they need to do, but when they put that in play, when they put that best practice into place, you hear all the time, my technicians are coming in and out and they're just taking parts. They're not saying anything. I don't know where to log this in the system. I don't know how to track this. They're putting things into place and they're not sticking because they don't have a software or a program that allows them to maintain that and to hold people accountable. I think at the end of the day, everybody wants to be held accountable. We just don't know how. And if we don't have the tools to do so, it's again, it's up to the people to hold them accountable and that's an uncomfortable situation. So let the software hold your people accountable, help you hold your people accountable. I'll share some cool best practices about just some industry knowledge stuff, some stuff that I've heard through the years, some things that from some other industries as well. But yeah, we're really excited for it. Can we give them a sneak peek about what the first one's going to be? Yeah, so I'm excited. This is what triggered this whole thought. I was like, okay, we're coming up on Black Friday. I've heard so many times, and I'm sure you have too, Megan, that people are like, yeah, Black Friday. I'm a small specialty retailer. Leave that to the big box guys. Oh my right? gosh. We try to do stories about, we've tried to do stories about Black Friday before in the magazine. What do you do? How do you make this a special thing for your business? And it's never really gone very well. The story is always a little bit of a dud because most people are like, yeah, we don't really do anything. <laughs> yeah, totally. Hot tubs, Black Friday. Don't people want to buy socks and flip-flops from Old Navy and TVs right. from Best Buy on Black Friday? Like, they don't want to buy hot tubs. Yep. I'm here to tell you that they do. They absolutely want to buy hot tubs on Black Friday. Especially, has anybody heard of inflation? Like, it's a big deal. Everybody wants to get a deal on something that can mm -hmm. help their mental and physical well-being, period. The last year that I was in the hot tub industry... We wanted to do Black Friday really big and Oregon Hot Tub historically has done a good job on Black Friday. But again, we were coming out of COVID and we're like, we got to just blow this thing up. We got to get people really excited, both customers and employees. Your employees can get down when they're used to things being super, super busy. And then it just mm -hmm. doesn't feel as busy anymore. So the first webinar that we're going to do is going to be all about Black Friday best practices tested and proven. The year that I'm going to base this off of, it was the last year I was with Oregon Hot Tub. We sold over a million dollars in a weekend, which is a huge number. That's a lot of hot tubs. Yeah. That's anybody in the hot tub industry would be pretty happy with those results. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So even if, even if you have three locations, two locations, and you can do half of that or $200,000 in a weekend, mm -hmm. you can really set your people up to have a killer end of the year in a time that's historically not very busy. Hot tub busy seasons usually over the summer and then you slow down over the holidays and people are focused on buying other things. So it's going to be a lot of best practices around how to plan for success for Black Friday, how to get your people excited and how to use the software to streamline and simplify. It does not have to be complicated. I love that. That makes me really excited. I can't wait to hear what you guys did and how you achieved that it's a great story idea we'll probably write about later. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We're excited. 
I'm really excited about this series. Just in this conversation alone, I feel like we've talked about a lot of things that other retailers would love to hear how Oregon Hot Tub did it, how other people in the industry have done it. Um, the great thing about where you're at now, like you said, is that you get to interact with people and hear what they're doing too. And you can see how they're tracking their best practices and what works for them. And that's what we've based our entire magazine on. So yeah, I'm excited to see what you guys come up with because already I'm excited about the topics that you could talk about. Yeah, we're excited. And it's been cool to be with Evesis and Lou and to build Lou out and to be able to give input. What's really cool about Evesis is that all of the developers are in-house. Everyone literally is inside of this building or a couple mm -hmm. people remote but it's a tight knit group and we take feedback from dealers. We take feedback from our clients. That's our number one source of truth. So we're always looking to that. And so it's cool to be, have been a client and to be able to provide feedback to our developers and our designers and say, that's the program. This is the real world. Now let's tie it together and make sure it works. Again, if anybody listening has feedback, wants to see changes, submit it because we all we're eager mm -hmm. to hear it. And there's a few people in the building who have vast industry knowledge, but we we are eager to hear other ideas. Everybody does things differently. And so it will be really incredible to build this thing out based on feedback from the community and the clients. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to ask you the Spa Retailer 5. We ask every guest the same five questions. All right, so here we go. Do you remember your first hot tub sale? The product, the name of the customer, any of the details? Yes, vividly. And my first sale is so funny. I'll make it really short, I promise. So my third day with the company was at a home show, their biggest home show of the year. And my job there was to just shadow, follow. They're in the hot tub industry, there's these people called hired guns. They're 100%. incredible sellers, travel around and sell product. And we had a hired gun for Jacuzzi. She was an incredible lady. And my job was to follow her around the booth and just listen to her and hope that I could get my training that way because everybody's too busy. Everybody's yeah, too at busy a home to show, train new people. No, yeah, that's not, right? the, that's not the time. <laughs> yeah, so I'm following her around and it's a busy home show. So I'm just like trying to trickle back and overhear what she's saying. And it gets really busy in the booth. I greet these folks that nobody was available to help at the time. And I was just trying to keep them warm and keep them engaged. We're chatting. Next thing comes to next thing. They're sitting in the hot tub and I walk up to Steve. I'm like, Steve, do you have a financing application? He's yeah, why? And I was like, because these people want to buy a hot tub. He's like, you're not supposed to be selling. What, what are you doing? What are you selling? How much are you selling it for? You don't even have a price sheet. What's happening here? And I was like, there's a price on the hot tub. Can I sell it for that? He's like, yeah, that's fine. And that was like higher number than the bottom dollar price. Of course. And so I take the financing sheet over, I fill it out and I sold the hot tub. They were sitting in it and it just goes to show you. And it was a Jacuzzi J345, which is like one of their top sellers. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, and like back in the day, it was like platinum antique or something. It's about relationships. Yes. Nobody cares about gallons per minute and horsepower and warranty and details. Like, these people, the husband was a TriMet bus driver and the wife was a nurse. They weren't like super high-end people. They just wanted yeah. quality. They wanted something that was going to last and not cause them more headaches. And I sold it off of, is it comfortable? Show me pictures of your backyard. Does it match the colors? Like you're a nurse. You're probably in so much pain all the time. You're a bus driver. That sounds like a 
horribly stressful job (laughs) and then so again like back in that day I was pregnant and we just they had grandkids and so we related on that topic Mm -hmm. and they were incredible clients I came back from maternity leave and I had a gift on my desk from them they stayed in touch for years like it just it was such a special sale especially to be my first sale yeah you know what it is you know what I love is that I'm not sure I've asked anybody that question and they're like I set out to sell a hot tub that day. It almost every single time was 100% by accident, was 100% because they were the only person available and they just did it. And it's always, you know, what you said, like you're not, it's just being a nice person, (laughs) helping them find what they need. And there's, it's just, it's that, that human element that, that you need to actually make a sale. And so that's so funny. And I love that you remember all of the details because again, almost everybody remembers all of the details of their first sale. Yeah. Yeah, It's so special. It's so special. And we got to remember that as we go through years and years, especially veterans of the industry that have been there for 25 years, think back to that moment and also think back to how special that moment was for that. Mm -hmm client like we have to keep that magic within us to remember that this is such a special purchase for people a hot tub and these big ticket items that we sell it's not going to buy shoes it's not a disposable thing and sometimes we can lose sight of that so I just I love telling the story because it lights me up to be like again it's all about relationships and that is it's a testament everyone's for sale is a testament to the relationship because you didn't know anything you didn't know anything yeah no had no idea (laughs) yeah I love it what was your first real job? Oh, my first real job, I was 13 years old. <laughs> and my sister's boyfriend, my sister was like 23 at the time. Her boyfriend owned a Quiznos Subs, um, a sandwich shop. Yeah, and they made yeah. those really good grilled sandwiches. And so I worked mm-hmm. there and I made sandwiches for the summer. So that was my first quote unquote job. And then in high school, I ran, I was a regional manager for a tanning salon. Oh, <laughs> I think they both count, but yeah, those are great. Oh man. Tanning salons. Oh boy. That'll teach you that that'll teach you how to sell. That is hard to try to sell somebody something that they can get free naturally. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. So do you have, as you think back over your career, probably at Oregon, cause you have, I don't, you haven't been at, at Evesis probably, but can you think back to maybe an idea that you had that you tried that flopped, that did not work out the way you had hoped it would, that you're like, this is the this is a real winner. And then it was over. You're like, maybe not. Yeah, I've got a I've got a good sort of embarrassing one. But when they're, it wasn't they're just all my a little idea, embarrassing. So I can only take 50% <laughs> liability for this one. Okay. Myself and my counterpart. I ran the front end of the business. She kind of ran the back end of the business. But at one point we split the stores and I oversaw half, she oversaw half. And so we had this idea. We were having a really hard time with, there was like 50% of the team that was producing, working really hard, putting in the effort, doing incredible. And then about the other 50% that just, the activity wasn't there. There was just not a lot of bump behind it, if you will. And someone had this idea from a long time ago. It was like a benching thing so basically if you didn't have a sale for three weeks in a row you got benched for the weekend okay Um, and your job was to just reach out to leads follow up with your activity but you didn't take carpet leads that weekend it was a total nightmare and thank god for covid because it got us right out of it like we didn't have to suspend it it just went away because covid happened but yeah it seemed like a really good idea and it was 
it was horrible. <laughs> it did not work at all because you had a couple <laughs> top sellers that had a few really bad weeks in a row. Just coincidentally, during the time we launched it, and it was like, yeah, no, you've proven over years that you can do this. It's yeah, you're just... like, we don't want to vent you. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I really don't want to, but we said we were going to, so now we have to, and so oh, we're like yikes. shooting ourselves in the foot. Yeah. It was a horrible idea. Oh, man. No, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Find another so, way. Do you have, does something come to mind that was, that was a great idea that you're really proud of? Yeah, I think a couple of things just one one idea that we did that I really liked and really stuck and hopefully it still has is we did Friday sales calls every Friday which wasn't necessarily my idea I didn't start the Friday calls but I really honed them in and once a month I would bring together a group of people myself some of the store managers and a couple of the leads and we'd come up with an agenda so we'd plan out the next four Friday sales calls and we'd have different guest speakers on, we'd have different people take on the call. So it was a really, it it was structured and it was fun. I see a lot of people try to do like sales calls and they're not consistent with them and everybody thrives on consistency. And so it was every Friday morning from 9.30 to 10, you were expected to be on it no matter what. It's when we launched the sales for the weekend, any promos we were running. So it was exciting and fun, but we'd have different vendors on for training. We'd have different, we'd do like round robins. We would do fun like pop quizzes with prizes and things. And structuring them and planning them out made it so nice for everybody because we yeah. they had more impact and we had more time to make them helpful. Okay, you're going to have to give me a second because I need to write this down before I forget it because this is a great idea for my team. <laughs> yeah, it works for every industry. Yeah, something that I've actually been working on is we have a staff meeting every day or not every day, every Monday and we're a remote office. So like you guys, you don't get to see your coworkers in person every single day. Yeah. And our staff meetings have always been a little bit of a dud. And so I finally sat down and it's like, how can I make these better? And guess what? It was a schedule yeah. <laughs> and a plan. And yeah. what do you know? That's all it took for us to have like real topics to talk about every staff meeting as opposed to just, what are you doing this week? Yeah. And then people are caught off guard because they're like, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm just like, and then they're spewing off. Not that it's untrue on purpose, but they're just like telling you what you want to hear because sure. they haven't had time to to prepare and right. people, it allows everybody to come to the table with a plan and yes, um, no, yes. and no with expectations. I, well, yeah, with ideas and it gives them a chance to, to be more engaged with their jobs because I tend to be, I'm a to-do list person. And so I like to check things off. And I realized that our staff meetings had just become a chance for everyone to just check things off their checklist and for me to know what everyone's checking off their checklist, which is fine. And you need a little bit of that, but we have a million things in place where we can do that. Like we've got software, we've got processes, we've got systems, we've got all of that. Like yeah. it, I can look and see what everyone has crossed off in 10 minutes time without wasting their time on a phone call. And it's what really made the difference is you know, asking them their ideas and giving them a chance to brainstorm on things like bigger things that we need to do as a company. And so I've written down though, to add in some quizzes. I think that. Yeah. <laughs> they're so fun. And I'm a super competitive person. We got a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super competitive and I love to win stuff. Like it doesn't even have to, it could be $5 Starbucks card or socks or yep. literally anything. I just want to mm -hmm. win it if it's on the table. And so of course there was like prizes and just 
fun stuff. You can make it, it just, again, culture. Everybody wants a fun culture. Yeah, um, I love that. I think that's great. But also too, so I've been in, the, in on our team, I've been in the industry the longest. Yeah. And which is fine. But there's a lot of just knowledge I have about the industry that's been in my brain since I've been in it for so long that they don't know until they need to know. Why not have a quiz about how many brands does Jacuzzi own now these days <laughs> or whatever it's it might be, every right? Day. <laughs> yeah, like the things that I might know that they they looked it up they would know but let's hammer some of that in <laughs> yeah let's be the business professionals right yeah, and it exactly. gives you a great opportunity to share your expertise because you have so much of it so that's yeah. awesome yeah no I think that sounds fun thanks for that great idea Shauna what is your do you have a favorite book or tv show or podcast I tell people it can either be for work or for pleasure whatever I mean, for you right now in your stage of life, it, you might be just ingesting a lot of cocoa melon. As I have. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Peppa Pig. What? There's so many, right? Bluey. Yeah, totally. Thank God. My 18 month old does not like TV. She's so uninterested, which oh. is a total blessing and a total curse. 100%. I can't keep her occupied. She is a maniac. And my five-year-old was not that way. She was like, I love TV. No, but favorite podcast. So I would love to be a reader. I just can't. One, I read really slow. And two, I just don't have the time. Yeah. But I do have a really long commute when I do commute into the office and I'm like in my car all the time. So I have time for one podcast in the morning and one in the afternoon. I am really, I'm one of those weird, like naturopathic, like hippie people. So I, I love, love just getting closer to nature, getting closer to your food source, all of that kind of stuff, just taking it into your own hands. So I'm all into those kinds of podcasts. Um, the one that I listen to every single week, I've listened to every single one is called Naturally Nourished by Allie Miller. And she's a really cool registered dietitian. She shares some really cool truth bombs, um, <laughs> but totally into that. And then in this stage of my life where I'm going to be giving birth to my third very soon, I'm mm -hmm. just a lot of those hypnobirthing kind of birth class kind of things on tape. Yeah. Uh, that's my life these days. I love it though. Good for you. I yeah. I, so I'm like you, I would also love to be a quote unquote reader, but the only books that I have ingested in the last probably eight years has been audiobooks. It's the only yeah. way, I, it's the only way I can do it these days. And it started when I was rocking our baby to sleep every single night. I had a lot yeah. of time at night where I was just holding a baby, sitting in a chair. <laughs> totally. The only and books so... I read are like Goodnight Moon and kid hardcover books. That's yep. pretty much it. Yeah, I don't have time yeah. for anything else. <laughs> Absolutely. You find your thing, you find your way to enrich and relax. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's a great question. Thanks, Megan. Shauna, good luck on the upcoming birth of your third little baby. We're very excited for you. We're recording this podcast early for that very reason. Yes, <laughs> your baby will be born by the time this uh, airs. I yes, love it. exactly. Yeah, probably a couple months old by the time this comes out. But we wanted to have a chance to talk to you and let people know about the webinar series coming up. And so thanks for coming on now while you're still in the office. Thank you, Shauna, for coming on. I appreciate it. And we will hear back from you in November. Thanks, Megan. I appreciate it. The Spa Retailer Podcast is a production of Spa Retailer Magazine. Let us know what you think by leaving a review or emailing us at podcast at spa Thanks for listening.